All right, what it do, everybody? It's your boy Dom here with Darnell Double D's out here. What's up? Say what's up to the fans. What's up, guys? So today we'll be doing this without Demetrius, as this is his first ever only rest day. <laughs> and you know we'll be going over the games from last night on uh, March third, March third, Wednesday, March third. So we'll get right into it. So first. Um, Charlotte beat Minnesota 135-102. to 102. Terry Rozier had 31. Gordon Hayward had 23 and 9 assists. Um, LaMelo had 19. Malik Monk had 18. Miles Bridges had 13 plus 26. Gordon Hayward was the highest plus minus with 30. Um, and for Minnesota, you know, Anthony Edwards shot 8 of 23. Carl Anthony Towns has 16 and 15. They're still missing Malik Beasley because of his suspension. And obviously they're still missing D'Angelo Russell due to injury. So what's your opinion on the game? Yeah, um, it's really tough for Minnesota because, you know, not having Malik Beasley out there, he's been one of their more consistent scorers for them. And, you know, without Carl Anthony Towns, he was – made the, the major guy who was holding it down as a veteran yeah. because, you know, they have Anthony Edwards, but he's a younger player and you can't really expect that much from a rookie, you know, especially one that's, you know, trying to learn how to become a facilitator and learn how to get other guys involved right now. He's just primarily a scorer. So they're going to go as he scores and he's just not that effective right now. He was, only eight for 23 from the field. Carl Anthony Towns, six for 14 with his 16 points. He's probably got to be a little more efficient than that. He was a minus 27. Everybody out there, like, you know, they they just a team that's just lacking talent. And for Charlotte, you know, they're a team that's been rolling. They have Gore Hayward playing well. He had 23. He's a plus 30. LaMelo, he had his 19, seven and five. Normally he has more than that, but it didn't take much. He shot well from the field. He was seven to thirteen, and it was a game where Terry took the took the reins. You know, he's been that steady force in that backcourt all season. He was six of twelve from three with his thirty-one and a plus twenty-three overall. And you know, Charlotte is a team that's going to float around five hundred. And going into the All Star break, it's going to be good for them to kind of be able to decompress a little bit and try to, you know, regain steam as we go into the second half. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Minnesota missing both of their top two scores. It's just not going to be much in, as we mentioned before, ever since Taz has came back from his, you know, from his COVID, then, you know, he just hasn't been the same. But that's been the case with a lot of players out there. A lot of players came back yeah. from COVID and just haven't looked the same. So, you know, good win for Charlotte. It's just going to help them stay close to that playoff race while Minnesota continues to fight for that last spot. <laughs> for that last, for that number one draft pick. <laughs> you know, Golden you know, go State owns their first, owns their uh, top three protected first. So as long as they're inside the top three, they still get their pick, but they're fourth. And for anything after that, they don't get it. So I know they're praying. <laughs> they're praying the lottery oh, helps yeah. them. They need it. They need yeah. it bad. They need a bad. Go, don't, don't let Golden State get another top three pick. 
get a fourth, get a top four pick. No, Matt, I'm gonna be if they end up getting the number one pick again or the number two pick again. Well, they will get the fourth, the, the highest they could get is the fourth. Minnesota has to oh, yeah, the yeah, 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 but still, they don't need any more luck, <laughs> they've had enough. They've had enough for the last 10 years, last like 15 years, honestly. Yeah. So next up, we got Detroit versus Toronto. And Detroit won 129 to 105 by a great game from our boy Wayne Ellington doing what he does, 8 of 11 from three. You know, um, Mikhailik has 17. Um, who's this? Saban Lee. He gave gave him twenty off the bench. Rodney Magruder, who was one of the worst, who was the guy that uh, who was the guy that you know Clay Thompson was basically saying he's a bum and he won't be in the league anytime for, for much longer. He had twenty off the bench. Dennis uh, Dennis Smith Jr. had a had a triple double with 10, 12, and eleven. Uh, Mason Plumlee had a triple double as well with 14, 11. Set. <laughs> Detroit just went crazy on the front. Oh shit. Norm North shot the best he could with 36, but damn. You know, they were missing Fred Van Vliet. They were missing Pascal Siakam. They were missing OG Anunobi. And Lowry was there with him. You know, he gave him 21 and 6 on 5-11 shooting. Chris Boucher gave them 18 with on 5-11 shooting as well. But I mean, you know. Without without any of their players, it was going to be tough for Toronto to, to win this game. So, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, it was a tough game for Toronto. You know, Norman had a great, you know, showing out there with his 36, 5 of 8 from 3. He was 14 of 20 overall. You know, that's great shooting out there. And Kyle Lowry was solid, 5 of 11 overall, 8 of 9 from the free throw line with his 21 and 6 assists with one turnover. But – Anytime you don't have, you know, kind of your main horses, that's the Pascal Siakam, the Fred Van Vliet's. Those are the guys that's been carrying Toronto as Toronto has been kind of resurging back until their, you know, form that we've seen from the last few seasons. And without OG out there as well, it's just an undermanned team. They played, you know, a Detroit team that got hot. Wayne Ellington, obviously, 8 of 11 from 3. Mahaluk, 5 of 9 from 3. He had 17. They had 23s as a team. And two triple-doubles. Like, yeah. when you get two players that's in the starting lineup, both just having just – it just shows that they were moving the ball well, both from the point guard position and from the five-man. So, just getting everybody involved and playing the right way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, they've got production out of anybody. Like, you know, <laughs> Toronto Toronto didn't know who <laughs> Saban Lee was. <laughs> he dropped 20 on them. Like, they wasn't expecting that. But one thing we know about Detroit is that they love to fight with everybody. And if there's a yep. team that's undermanned without people to fight with, you know, then they're going to beat them. They're going to beat them by 24. So, you know. So that's a reasonable outcome to this game. Wow. All these games last night were really close as hell. Holy shit. I know, so, right? <laughs> next up, we have the return. The return of James Harden to Houston after the whole Houston fiasco. They got him traded to Brooklyn. So, you know, 
they they were talking about how he was going to have his jersey retired and everything. And he came out there and he gave them exactly what he was doing for them for all those years. Came out there, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, three steals, eight turnovers. But, you know, him and Kyrie just went out there. They were just scoring. And as we know about Houston, Houston just doesn't have a lot of help out there. I mean, Oladipo and Wall both dropped. They combined for for 69. Oladipo had 33. Wall had 36. Even though Oladipo shot 9 for 25 and Wall shot 12 for 30, they're really the only two players on the team that can score. So, you know, because like, Eric Gordon didn't even play this game either. So it really was just all on them too. But, you know. Brooklyn's been rolling right now. So what's your opinion on this game? Yeah, this is like 13, probably, yeah, I think like 13 in a row for Houston now, in a row of losses. And yeah. John Wall, he's been playing at a great level, honestly, coming off of his injury. He had 36. I think he had 32 the previous night. So he's been playing at a great level. Victor Oladipo. He was 5 of 11 from three, but didn't shot overall well from the field. Obviously, 9 from 25, 4 is 23. He was a minus 23. But those are the only two guys that Houston has. And, you know, anytime – I don't know what's happened to P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker was a reliable shooter last year. but Best corner just, three shooter all time. <laughs> best corner three shooter all time, but – this year, he cannot buy a basket. He was 0 for 2 from 3, and he just didn't take any more after that. And, you know, for Brooklyn, anytime you have two of the at least two of the three superstars on the team, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And they had James Harden play well. Kyrie played, you know, not perfect, but he was a plus 14 with his 24, so you'll take that. And the research, the the kind of emergence of Bruce Brown to me. Yeah. He's been somebody that's been playing well as of late. He had 17. He was a plus 12. He just strives or thrives well in the pick and roll for them because he's someone who can, you know, screen on either James Harden or Kyrie's man. And when he gets the ball on the roll, he can make a play because he can dribble pass and shoot. Yeah. So it opens up. To play. It opens up the floor for guys like Joe Harris, who can shoot threes, Landry Shamit, who shoots threes. And even they have a guy like Nicholas Claxton off the bench, who's a big man, who's giving them good production. He has 16. So the Nets are finding their depth. They're finding their rotation players. And once they get KD back, it's just going to all fit so well. And I'm excited to see it. Yeah. One thing about your PJ Tucker point, you know, it's funny for all the criticism of his game and how he dribbled the ball for 23 seconds on the clock. A player like P.J. Tucker, like, really needs that. Because, like, you know, P.J. Tucker, he's older. He's, like, 36. So, for him to have to run up and down the court, you know, also, like, he wouldn't last on, like, a goal at State or anything or any team with like, a, with, like, a high pace. But, like, because Hardy just controlled the ball for the whole time, it gave him time to rest. So, with John Wall and Victor Oladipo, they're more explosive. They're more, like, drive fast you know type type players they're more like speed oriented so so for pj tucker it's probably just a lot more taxing for him you know to 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 be out there it's probably been affecting his shooting a lot and then like you were saying 
Yeah, the emergence of Bruce Brown, who was just thrown away in the Pistons trade, you know, mm-hmm. it was just like that, that he's been the savior. He's been one of the saviors for the Nets. Like Joe Harris was already there and they paid him that big ass contract. So, you know, they already planned for him to be, you know, one of the main pieces. But for Bruce Brown to come out with this emergence, especially after the Karis LeVert trade, well, after the James Harden trade that sent Karis LeVert away, you know, they needed some extra production from somebody. And Bruce Brown been right there stepping up. And then Sham has been playing really well recently. He was a plus 13 out there with his with his 11 points. And I like you were saying, Nicholas Claxton came out there, gave him some good production. So, yeah. They're rolling even without KD. So once KD gets back, you know, we all at first we had our doubts. But at this point, it's safe to say that this team is most likely going to at least the finals, if not winning it. But, you know, that's only time will tell. But Brooklyn's definitely in a good groove. And Houston's probably never going to win a game again until Christian Will comes back. So <laughs> that's that, that's what they need more than anything else right now. They just need yeah. Christian Wood to come back. So let's see. Next up, we have your team. I saw you tweeting something about I saw you tweeting something about this game. You said the Cavs need some more power forwards. We need a power forward. Because all of them Somebody. are gone. <laughs> Every <laughs> single one of them are gone. So Indiana beat Cleveland 114 to 111. Malcolm Brogdon turned the fuck up. He had 29 <laughs> points on 12 of 15 shooting. And, you know, he was just going crazy out there. Even though he was a minus eight, he still he was very efficient. And he was going crazy out there. Um, you know, the Sabonis had 18, you know, a little under what you would like for your star to have. But, you know, Cleveland's not a high scoring team either, especially missing all their power forwards. So, you know, Doug McDermott had 12, Miles Turner had 12, Jeremy Lamb had 11. And then one guy who we praise, who we have praised as, you know, the best player on the team, <laughs> TJ McConnell, 16 points, four rebounds, 13 assists. And 10 steals with nine of them coming in the first half. I was I didn't watch the game, but I looked at the box score. It was like not the box score, but like the play by play. And it was yeah. like it was like TJ McConnell steal uh, whoever basket. TJ McConnell steal boom basket. TJ McConnell steal. Like he would get the steal and get the assist like the next play. He was really just he was really just yes. ripping everybody's pot everybody's pockets intercepting all the passes and everything like that. He was just going crazy as the hustle man. And it's just like, you know, the other day when, when Malcolm Brogdon didn't play, TJ McConnell played 46 minutes in a regular season game. And yep. that's, that, that, that's all you need to know about his importance to the team. He played 46 minutes in a regular season game that didn't go to overtime. <laughs> so, you know, that's amazing. And then Sumner was out there with a plus 23 in his 17 minutes. So he was probably just out there when TJ was out there ripping everybody's hands. And then for Cleveland side, you know, Sexton, he had, he played, he played a really good game too. He had 32 with 10, 12 for 25 from the, from the, from the court, you know, um, Darius Garland has 16, Dean Wade has 17, Jared Allen has 17 and 11, JaVale McGee had 10 and six. So, what'd you see from this game? What'd you see from your hometown team 
So this is this was a game where the Cavs should have easily won. You would think that they wouldn't have easily won because Indiana is the better team on yeah. paper, but yeah. the Cavs had they had 19 first half turnovers and led the first half by 10 points. And in that third quarter, Indiana won. And it was just – it really honestly came down to T.J. McConnell and yeah. t- having 10 steals. Like, there was literally a point in time, like, the part that you watched on the play-by-play, watching it live, there was moments where T.J. McConnell would get a steal and Sumner would get the layup because Sumner was just running the court. Yeah. And there was probably, like, a five-minute stretch where we couldn't get the ball past half court. <laughs> And it was like, what is going on right now? Like, what am I watching? And it was really tough because Darius Garland, he was playing a decent game out there. He had, I think, he had 16 out there in 19 minutes. But Yeah, 69 shooting. He left with an injury. He sprained Uh, his groin. And he's the only other point guard on the roster. So it was tough because we only had one point guard out there. So that's why Colin had to play 43 minutes. And he's not a natural point guard either. So he he had 10 assists at the first half, no assists in the second half. And it came down to them. They actually threw a box and one at Colin Sexton. (laughs) It was like somebody else. I don't care. I don't care who. (laughs) I don't care who it is. Somebody else. And and the Cavs' oldest player in their starting lineup is Dean Wade. And Dean Wade is a second-year, 24-year-old. So that's all you need to know about the youth of the team. So, yeah. Well, isn't Jared Allen? Jared Allen is twenty-two. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. You would think he was a lot older. Longer, yeah. yeah, but he's only twenty-two. And yeah, Brogdon went off. He had a rookie guard on most of the game. Yeah. Brogdon's a steady vet, so he's going to get you know shots that he likes, and he got open shots, three of three from three. It was 12 and 15 overall. A lot of, you know, nice drops to the basket and finished with 29. And that's all they needed to get to victory. Yeah. One thing about, like, you were saying they had 19 turnovers in the first half. And obviously, nine of them came from TJ Steels. So, one thing about having, like, all those types of turnovers, especially when there's steals, it's just like if you throw it out of bounds, it's one thing because it's just, because, you know, the defense can set back up. But when you just, like, turn the ball over, somebody steals it, and then just, like, it's just straight, fast, break, fast, break, fast, break type plays. So, you know, that definitely just impacted the game, opened it wide up for the, you know, you were saying saying the Cavs were still up 10 at halftime? Yep. See, with TJ, TJ had nine steals, and they were still up 10. He was was doing everything he could just to keep them in the game. Just for just for the Cavs to blow it in the end. So hey man. The Pacers are Pacers are at least a bubbling pay up playoff team, if not a if not a set playoff team. And the Cavs are like, I'm pretty sure they're still 14th in the East. So, you know, again, they had that amazing start to the season, but you know, towards the end, they just haven't been able to rival it. So well towards towards the middle, well towards the middle at least. I'm gonna be honest, like I'm not I'm not too upset because they did win four straight after the 10 game losing streak. So yeah. they were playing better. They and they did beat the Philadelphia 76ers, which is a good win. They did. And I don't want them to win too many games because I know realistically 
we need a great draft pick this year in yeah. order for us to really kind of continue to build what we got. And being a, a one and done in the playoffs, like it's good for morale of the team, but if you're really being honest, the team needs a talent upgrade or more than anything. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. If you don't see yourself as if you don't see yourself as a as a title contender, then really, or as even like a, a threat. If you don't see yourself as a playoff threat, then at that point, bro, just go ahead, get the highest pick you can. Look, look what the 76ers did. They were they were yeah. they were a middling eighth seed. They were like eighth, seventh, ninth. They were like anywhere between seventh and ninth, like every year. And then boom, they just said, you know what? If we just gonna suck anyway, <laughs> let's just go ahead and full on suck. And look at them yep. now. Look at them now. First in the first in the conference. So you know, it's definitely a good strategy. Um, next up, we got the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Luka Doncic was not playing. For, uh, everybody else was for the most part, though. Porzingis had 19 um, with 13 rebounds on uh, 7 of 15 shooting. He was a plus 16, highest plus minus on the team. Uh, Josh Richardson has 16 on 5 of 14 shooting, 1 for 8 from 3. Tim Hardaway had 19 on 6 of 15 shooting. Nobody was really that efficient this game, but <laughs> OKC just couldn't seem to score, which is weird because the Mavericks don't play defense. So I don't know what was happening there. Shea was right there. Dort was right there. Al was right there. You know, I mean, what we know about OKC, though, I mean, Shea was 5 of 15 right with Josh Richardson, so he was just as inefficient. Lou Dort was one of nine. But one thing we know about OKC is that, you know, for as good of a story as they've been, they really just lack the talent for the most part. I mean, you know, Sam Presti traded everybody away for first and seconds. So, you know, he's he's clearly building for the future. And there's definitely talent on the team that's, that's that will be kept. Obviously, Shea will be, you know, there for the foreseeable future. And so will Dort. But, mm-hmm. you know. They, they just weren't able to muster up anything against Dallas today. So what's your opinion on everything that happened with that game? This had to be one of the ugliest games that you'll probably see all season. Like yeah. 78 to 87, to not score 80 points for Oklahoma City, like that's rough. And they had yeah. majority of the players that they've been playing with all season. Shea was out there. They didn't have uh, – I mean, obviously no George Hill, but – they didn't have Diallo. I don't think he was that big of a difference maker out there for him. But yeah, you would think without Luca that they would have a chance because all of a sudden they don't have a backup point guard. But insert Trey Burke. Trey Burke scored nine points, six assists, was a plus thirteen for Dallas. Yeah. Brunson was in, inserted into the starting lineup. He had eleven, six rebounds, four assists. You'll take that. Not quite, you know. Luca level, you can even you can even combine the the point guard minutes and still doesn't equal Luca, but you got good production off the bench from Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway, you know, got you nineteen. You got sixteen from Josh Richardson. That was probably your lifesaver right there, sixteen yeah. from Josh Richardson, because he's been up and down for the last few seasons or so. Uh, five, and, uh, five of 16 shooting, though. I guess somebody's need to shoot the ball, though. 
Yeah. Do it. Somebody. He was one of eight from three. Yeah. They needed that one make. Like, <laughs> that's all it took. Yep. Just face the floor, take the shots if you miss. Maybe we'll get the offensive rebound. Yeah. And, you know, for Oklahoma City, rough, rough night for the stars of the team. And anytime two stars are a minus 18 and a minus 20, respectively, that's just not a recipe to win for Oklahoma City because they're a team that obviously doesn't have the high-end talent. So they have to do it as a collective, and they just couldn't pull it out. Yeah, this was definitely a game that we would have expected, you know, OKC to be able to battle out. But, you know, with the, the lack of talent, it's going to show sometimes. And as good as they've looked, they are – they are 13th in the in the West, and they're only 14th. I mean, they're only 13th because, you know, uh, Houston doesn't have Christian Woods. So, you know, as good as good as, as much as they fight with, with a lot of teams, they still tend to lose most of the games. So, you know, that's a good one for Dallas, though, being able to win without, without Luka. So next up, we have our boy Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks against the Orlando Magic. 115 Atlanta wins against 112 that Orlando had. Um, Trey Young had 32 and eight assists on nine of 19 shooting. He was a plus eight. John Collins, highest plus minus on the team, even though he shot four of 11, but he was three of six from three with 15 points. He was a plus 14. Danilo Gallinari into the starting lineup had 23 points. Uh, Tony Snell had 11 as a starter. The whole starting lineup all contributed double figures. And then Bonjanovic had nine off the bench. Solomon Hill had eight. So, you know, they had a little bit of decent bench production. They got two people almost scoring 10. So, you know, Atlanta had a lot of offense like they're supposed to. And then for the Magic, you know, Vucevic had 29. Fournier wasn't playing, but Terrence Ross came right in the starting lineup and he gave him 28 instead. So, you know, Michael Carter-Williams surprisingly gave him 20. He's not much of a scorer, but, you know, he's capable of those. He's capable of those games every once in a while, as we've seen since his rookie season. So, you know, but the main problem here was just that Orlando's bench just didn't do much, even though even though Atlanta's didn't, you know, they just had more. They just had more contribution from their starters and stuff like that. So Orlando's bench needed to do more in order to keep up with it, and they weren't able to. So, what's your opinion on the game? This game was all sold and wrapped up in a bowl for Orlando to win it. I think yeah. Orlando was up around nine with like five or six minutes left, and they choked away the victory. Yeah, like. Or no, they might have been – they were up as high – they were down – Atlanta was down as much as 19 at one point, for sure. I don't yeah. remember how – it was – I think it was probably like three minutes, maybe three minutes to go, and they were up double digits. Yeah. And it came down to, you know, they couldn't get Trey Young. Trey Young got open looks from three. He finished four of seven. Gallinaro, Gallinari was five of ten from three. Overall, they hit 21 threes as a team. Orlando only manifest only manufactured 13 for themselves. And it came down to they needed a closer to close it. And that closer was Terrence Ross. Even yeah. though Terrence Ross had a, a good game with his 28, but he's not that level of guy that you want to try to create at the end of the game because he's barely been a starter for them. He, you know, was 
someone who's been up and down throughout their career. He has high nights, but they just don't. They just were missing Fournier out there, I think. Someone else to help create a better look to, to win a game. And it should have never came down to that, but all credit to Atlanta. You know, they've won two straight for their new coach after their coach was fired. Not much production off the bench, but having Bogdanovich back is huge for them. Uh, I think having Rondo out there is huge. So Atlanta is a team that's finally going to have all their pieces. So we'll finally get to see if they're the team that we thought they were or if they're the team that they've been showing these last games throughout all the injuries. Well, they're still missing Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, who are actually very important players yeah. the team. So, you know, they're still missing, you know, a couple key pieces. But Orlando was missing their second best player in, in, in Fournier. He's been he's been their second most productive scorer, their second most uh, uh, consistent scorer. So you know, without him, Terrence Ross had a good game, but Terrence Ross is their bench scorer. So like you know, if he's gonna be yeah. in the starting lineup and nobody's gonna be there behind them, then you know, and they're still missing Cole Anthony. You know, one of their rookie wonders. So you know, this was just the game for even though even though Atlanta was down for most of the game. One thing about Atlanta is that if there's a bum-ass team, they can close on them. <laughs> they did it they did it against the Pistons. They do, they've done it against a, a couple bad teams when the scoring stops, which is mm-hmm. which seems which seems to have been the case for Orlando. As soon as the scoring stops, Atlanta is good enough to they have so much offense on their team, especially if Trey Young gets uh especially if Trey Young gets going whether it's through the foul calls or for, or through the free or through the threes, which it was both as he shot 10 of 11 from three and four, uh, 10 of 11 from the free throw line and four or seven from the three point line. So, you know, he was just able to close this game and Orlando was not. And if they had Fournier, they probably would have won the game, but they didn't. So, next up, we have another, another two teams that we love to talk about here the Chicago Bulls versus the New Orleans Pelicans. So, all-star Zach Levine had 36 points with eight assists on 12 of 19 shooting. Wendell Carter Jr. had 15 rebounds. He was a plus 22, highest plus minus on the team. Garrett Temple only had eight points, only shot two at 10, but he was a plus 20. You know, Kobe White had 25 on eight of 16 shooting. Um, Thaddeus Young had 18. And, you know, last time they played, Chicago set a record for threes on them and fucked them <laughs> up. So, you know, the fact that Minnesota, I mean, the fact that New Orleans was able to, you know, compete with them, stay in it this time. I mean, it was off the strength of Zion like normal, you know, 10 of 17 from the field, but those 8 of 16 from the free throw line, I watched the end of the game and, and New Orleans was closing back into it, but Zion missed two free throws. And that basically ended the game right there. Ingram hit a Ingram hit a three at the end. To that was the only three he made. He shot one of three from three, and he mm-hmm. only hit like the the last three to kind of make it a closer game than it was. But you know, they just weren't they just weren't able to muster up enough. They just weren't able to muster up enough scoring out there as they allowed Chicago to score one twenty eight. And as we've been saying, 
the Pelicans really aren't that good at defense. And J.J. Redick even had 22. He was a plus 19. He was the highest plus minus on the team, shooting 9 of 15 from the field. He only shot 1 of 5 from 3. So he was just getting a bunch of layups and, you know, a bunch of little middies out there. Josh Hart had 13. Jackson Hayes even had a good game, 5 of 5. Jackson Hayes and J.J. Redick were the highest two plus minus on the team last night. They still weren't able to win the game. So... What's your opinion on what happened with this game? Yeah, this is a game that it was pretty much over at halftime. Chicago was up 19, yeah. and New Orleans won the fourth quarter 45-32. The game was out of reach. To score 45 in the quarter is just ridiculous. But New Orleans is a, a team that shows flashes that they can – one night they're good, the other night they just leave you scratching your head. This was a game where – they got them. They got a good production off the bench from JJ, and they even got a good production out of Jackson Hayes, who had three blocks with his ten points in yeah. you know eleven minutes, and they just didn't get any. They just didn't get enough from you know Eric Bledsoe's of the worlds. The Lonzo was five of ten, but he was only two of six from three. It's not too bad, but you know they need they need they just needed more threes as a team. They only made six. Six to twelve. It doesn't seem like that big of an advantage, but you know, when it's a four-point game, you gotta look for some signs that you know can you can improve on, and that's an area that New Orleans can improve on. And for Chicago, great performance from Zach Levine. You know, he had fifteen at the end of the first half. He was a plus twenty-seven. Garrett Temple was a plus thirty-one. Rodney's, you know, Rodney's tail. Yeah. And, in the second half, Zach Levine had 21, Kobe White had 17. And that was the difference right there. Having two scores that's dominate out there, that was enough. Even though for New Orleans they had great scoring, it just wasn't enough to make up for that second quarter where they lost 38-20. Yeah, it's just it comes down to it just comes down to a few people. It comes down mainly to Ingram, you know. If Ingram's gonna be the all-star. He has to score more. You know, he has to be more productive out there. And 21 points against a team that don't play defense, that's just not going That's just not going to work. So. Lonzo didn't even play the fourth quarter. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have the Los Angeles Lakers against the Sacramento Kings. So LeBron James nor Anthony Davis were playing. However, Lakers were still able to keep it close in a 120 to 123 loss to the Sacramento Kings. Dennis Schroeder had 28. Kyle Kuzma had 25 with 13 rebounds and three assists. Dennis Schroeder had nine assists as well. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, while he only had 10 points, he was four for four. He was a plus 20, by far the highest plus minus on the team. Uh, Montrez Harrell had 26 and 12 and 12 rebounds. He was only a minus two, but you know, everybody off the bench besides from him was all over a minus 10 with um, Alfonso, Alfonso McKinney being a minus 19, Taylor Horton Tucker being a minus 15, only shooting three of nine. So, you know, the bench really struggled out there today. Well, last night, but you know, the Sacramento Kings, they had 29 from Buddy Hill. They had 23 and 8 from De'Aaron Fox. They had 20 and 6 from Harrison Barnes, 16 and 9 from Rashawn Holmes, 14 and 5 from Marvin Bagley, and even 13 
from Corey Joseph on five of seven shooting, three of four from three, just going against the just going against the lackluster Lakers bench. So you know, um, it was mainly just the Kings just had more of their players there. You know, their full starting lineup was there, and even though Tyrese Halliburton, who's been at least the second best player on the team for most of the season, wasn't there. If the Lakers are going to be missing LeBron and AD, then I mean. <laughs> It's only yeah. so much that they're going to be able to muster up. But even the fact that they kept it close is impressive. So what's your opinion on this game? You, you probably took all of the points I had to make. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, anytime you have a Laker team that's missing their two best players, it's going to be, you know, tough for them to find ways to, to victory. But they kept it close. And Kyle Kuzma had probably one of the best games he's had all season, 25-13. and 13 proven that if given opportunity, he can produce. Schroeder was good out there with 28 and nine assists. You got, you know, four other players in double figures, but it just came down to simply not being able to get stops down the stretch. Buddy Hill went seven for 11 from three, and he was the biggest difference maker out there. He was his 29 points with a six rebound and six assists. He was just awesome out there, man. 11 to 15 overall. And De'Aaron Fox as well, 23 and 8. Six assists from Harrison Barnes overall as a team. They finished with 32 assists, which is amazing. So they were playing as a team, moving the ball well, making timely shots. And you got to give them credit. But uh, I give a lot of credit as well to the Lakers because you would think that they would get blown out without their two best players, frankly, but they found they figured out a way to keep it close. They had good production from the starters, good production off the bench as well, but it just came down to defense. They just had didn't have enough. Yeah. It definitely shows, you know, it definitely shows that there is some some scoring talent on the team. It definitely shows yeah. that that Frank Vogel, he he's he's, you know, he was kind of underrated. He's he's kind of been underrated as a coach. He came in to the Lakers on his first team for uh, for uh he came into the Lakers, you know, in one of their first seasons together. He came in as soon as AD went there, so you know they had to all gel together. And even though he had LeBron and AD, you know, the fact that he was still able to win a title and even tonight shows that he at least knows how to play around with the rotations well enough to keep the team competitive. So you know, just just a little, just a little credit to Frank Vogel there, even though they lost the game. So, next up, we have Golden State versus Portland, and you know, two MVP candidates were playing against each other. Steph Curry, he went off with 35 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 13 and 28 shooting. Even though he was only five from 14 from three, but he allowed to take as many threes as he wants. Uh, Draymond Green, five. Five points, nine rebounds, 12 assists. Kevon Looney had nine points, eight rebounds. Kent Bazemore was in the starting lineup because Kelly Oubre did not play, and he had 12 points. And then Andrew Wiggins had 14 points in the starting lineup. And, you know, the bench wasn't too, too productive. Damian Lee had 10 points off the bench. He was a plus eight. But aside from that, you know, wanted the next up. Wiseman only had six. Mulder had six. Wanamaker had three. Toscano. Juan had Juan had three and Pascal had three. So, you know, their bench just didn't contribute too much. And then for Portland, Lillard only had 22. 
But Carmelo had 22 right with him. Covington, you know, one of his good shooting nights with 15. Gary Trent had 15. Cantor had 11 and 14 rebounds. And then, you know, Simons gave him some eight points. So how, what was your opinion on this game? Yeah, for the Warriors, it was simple. Like, they, they didn't get enough scoring outside of Steph Curry. Steph Curry was 13 of 28. Not the best shooting night overall for him. He's usually way above 50%. But he had 35 points, 5 for 14 from three. But nobody else could really, you know, nobody else had over 15. 14 was the next highest. Andrew Wiggins, 6 of 15 from the field. You never, you never like to have more field goal attempts than points. It's like a golden rule of shooting in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, Portland, they – came down to Dame time and in the fourth quarter Damian Lillard scored 10 in his six minutes six and a half minutes or so and Carmelo as well just being that steady force when Dame's on the bench give him that punch off the bench 22 he had 29 I believe or 30 the night prior 29 the night prior against Charlotte and Carmelo's been one of the you know best stories in the league so far. He was a player that most most people thought was done a few years ago. And he didn't start off this well last year, but he showed flashes. And this year he's even playing at a higher level, proving that he got he has a lot more to tank. And I think they're going to Portland's going to need his production once they get everyone healthy to make the run in the Western Conference that they want to. Yeah. So you know, but this game being between two people who are basically neck and neck in the MVP race, who did this, mm-hmm. who did this like bring you closer towards, but in terms of just those two, do you think that Steph should be higher even though his team lost because he was more efficient or do you think Lillard should be higher? I think Lillard should be higher just because I don't want to take their stats as, you know, who's going to be, be MVP. All. Yeah, as an end all be all, but I think Damian Lillard as a leader, he's been leading them to victories in a lot of games where they shouldn't have been honestly winning. And he's led them to a better record. They're 20 and 14, Golden State's 19 and 17. So I'm going to give the lead, I'm going to give the lead to Dame right now, but Steph, if they can figure it out and get, you know, more out of James Wiseman, I think, I think they have a chance, but obviously they're not getting back clay this year. So it's going to be all on Steph and, they, they, they have to prove that they can play off Steph. And so far, with Kelly Oubre out there, he's been up and down. He's been playing better as of late. But they just have to figure out how to play Warriors basketball this season and just manage without Clay for another year because it's going to be tough. And it's going to be a lot of teams that want to throw everything they can at Steph. And I don't know if Dame is put in the same situation because he's going to have – CJ back sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I was going to say, even though, you know, we've talked about him a lot on the podcast, and, you know, he had an atrocious start to the season. You know, the fact that they were missing Kelly, they were missing his defense, they were missing his hustle, they were missing, yeah. like, a lot a lot that he gives them. And, you know, he has been, you know, improving a lot in the scoring end as well recently. So he's definitely been a strong, a strong contributor for for them so the fact that he wasn't there definitely impacted you know definitely impacted the result of this game a little bit but another thing you know 
one of the one of the one of the big plays of the night was Lillard hit a hit a uh it wasn't quite a game winner, but it was at least a game sealer. It it wasn't like the last second, it wasn't like a buzzer beater, but it was like a game sealing shot that just, you know, at the you know left wing, step back three, yeah, gave him a one point lead. And you know, people always have the argument about whether Steph or, or, or Lillard is more clutch, who's a better point guard, you know. They've been tied together. It's been them two and Kyrie all tied together for like the last at least like six years. So yeah. you know, you it's like you can you can make the case tonight that you could you could at least say if Dame's not better than Steph. Like I don't think he is. That's my favorite player of all time. So I, I would I would never say he was. But you know, in terms of clutch, Lillard has shown more in the clutch moments recently in recent history. I think Steph was more clutch. Formerly, but like you know, more recently, Dame has hit a lot of the game winners. He's had a lot of those big moments, so you know, I think that could add to the conversation, especially since they, especially since it happened when they played head to head with each other. I don't know. That's tough because to me, I don't. I've never. It's never been Steph going for game winners for me. It's yeah. always been Steph. Steph usually. I don't want to say he usually misses when the game's on the line, but Damian Lillard is known for scoring when the game is on the line. Yeah, Lillard's known for his clutch shooting. Yeah, he's known for his clutch shooting. So I would give the clutch edge to Dame. But I think overall as players, I think Steph's a little bit better. Yeah, I definitely agree that Steph's a better player. But in terms of strictly, you know, clutch moments, Lillard may be better in that aspect. And speaking of clutch games, speaking of, you know, close games, last game of the night, Philadelphia 76ers versus the Utah Jazz. This game, Tobias Harris came back, and, you know, Embiid had 40 points, 19 rebounds. Danny Green had three. Seth had 14. Ben Simmons had 17 and six assists. Tobias had 22 with 10 rebounds. Sheik Milton had 12. Dwight Howard had 12. And uh, for Utah, Royce O'Neal has seven with 10 rebounds and five assists. Rudy Gobert had 12 with nine rebounds and four assists. Donovan Mitchell had 33, eight and six before he got ejected. Um, Mike Conley had 18, Bajanovich had 18, and Jordan Clarkson had 10, Joe Ingles had 16. So what's your opinion on this game? Yeah, this is a tough one for Utah. Utah, they they like to get more out of Rudy, obviously. Really, really tough matchup for him. Going against Embiid. Embiid proved why he's probably the front runner for the MVP vote right yeah. now at the halfway point of the season. And Donovan Mitchell was nice out there with his 12 of 34. That's not really that great of shooting. That's really inefficient, to be honest. Yeah. But he finished with 33. He was four of six from the free throw line. He finished with eight rebounds, six assists. You know, a normal Donovan Mitchell game. And the biggest spot of them for Utah that that was missing was the scoring from Jordan Clarkson. He only gave him 10 points on 10 shots. He's usually up there closer to 20. And they got production out of Conley, Bogdanovich, you know, the normal producers, but Came down to defensively, they just had no answers for Joel and beating the paint. 
He's 40 points, 19 rebounds, four offensive rebounds. Tobias came back, like you said, with 22 and 10. Let Ben Simmons go into his defensive, you know, role. He can be a third option in this offense and, you know, be the number one guy on defense and still have the energy to play at a high level. I think yeah. that's huge for them. He had six assists, led the team. And Philadelphia has just proved why they're one of the, you know, top seeds in the Eastern Conference, if not all of basketball right now, because they can do it on the defensive end and get stops when they need to. And they have someone that they can go to in a half court, and that's Joel Embiid. And there's no one in this league that can guard Joel Embiid head up. Like, it, it's really no one with enough size, honestly. There, there used to be a point in time where when Shaquille O'Neal was in the league where teams would just roster two or three seven-footers just to have enough fouls to, you know, stop Shaq. But Joel Embiid's not quite Shaq, but I'm curious to know if teams are going to continue to try to play small ball when you obviously have a team that can throw so much size on the floor in the 76ers. So that's one of the biggest differences is the size matchup. You know, obviously Utah has two small backcourt guards and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. So it showed up tonight that they have their flaws and Philadelphia proved against, you know, an elite team that they can get it done. Yeah, one thing that makes Embiid so lethal is the fact that he's he's not just confined to the paint. Like Shaq was a dominant force, but yeah. you know everything he did was just paint dunks, layups. Like everything was just within the paint for the most part. Even though he was a relatively good passer as well as a big man, but you know um, with Embiid, it's different because he can stretch the floor. He can he can shoot. He's one of the best mid range shooters on the in the league. And he can hit the top of the key three. He's done it plenty of times. He's a very yeah. capable shooter. So, you know, you not only is he strong, but he's also but he can also stretch the floor. He's shooting 41% from three. So if you're a strong ass paint presence of a center, like you already can't guard him down there. And you gotta stretch out to try and guard him back there. You can't really do that either. And it just proves why why Embiid is at least is at least top three if not number one in the MVP race. And um, one thing to note, though, you know, it is a player that said that, you know, I should have been in the all-star game because I haven't, because my team's been the best. I haven't been in the all-star game before. He kind of alluded to that. He was like, maybe when we started the season off 31-0, and zero, then I'd be an all-star finally. But as soon as my colleagues come back, their record has been dropping a little bit. So I don't want to put the blame on them, but, you know, that's just something to note. So if, 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 if my colleague don't want me to all-star, the team can't start losing as soon as you come back, bro. Yeah. So. Conley had his time as all-star, man, where he should have made it, but it's it's over for him, man. Yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah, he's past, he's past his all-star. He's past his all-star potential. He just happened yeah. to be in the wrong conference at the wrong time. So that's all the games for the day. So, you know, we got. So what's your player of the day, coach of the day, game of the day, and dickhead of the day? So for my player of the day, I got to go with Joel. 
Joel had 40 and 19, 15 defensive rebounds, four offensive, 10 of 13 from the free throw line. So I'm going to go with Joel and B for my game of the day. I'm going to go with Utah, Philadelphia. For my coach in the night, I'm going to go with, hmm, this is a tough one. You know what? For my coach in the night, I'm going to go with Luke Walton because I don't think we ever show Luke Walton any love. Probably never deserves it no. because the Kings are that good. still don't but... deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I was afraid to give it to Frank Vogel. <laughs> Man, so, he barely beat the Lakers without LeBron or AD. He don't get no fucking cookie. Bro. You know what? <laughs> Just for that, I will redig my coach of the night vote from, from yeah, it's not going to him anymore. I'm going to have to go with I'm gonna have to go with new coach Nate McMillan yeah. for getting the kick, for getting the Hawks on a two-game winning streak going into the uh, All-Star break after being thrust into such a tough situation with the fire and the Lloyd Pierce. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with there and for my for my dickhead of the night, I gotta go with the Cavs, man, because there's no way. On, or I'm not having to go with the Cavs backcourt because there's no way in hell TJ McConnell should have 10 steals in a game, <laughs> let alone nine and a half. So just for that, the Cavs backcourt get diggy out of the day. All right. So my player of the day is actually TJ McConnell because he saw them bum-ass niggas out there and every time they tried to dribble near him, he took that <laughs> shit right out of their fucking hands. Every time they tried to pass the ball, just straight smack that shit out of there and turn it into an easy assist. So my player of the day is TJ McConnell. My game of the day would have to, I'll say for me, it'll be Golden State versus Portland just because it was, you know, two at two two MVP candidates going against each other. Came down to a, a last second, not last second, but you know, a closer D- Damian Lillard shot, you know, and it was just a really good game. The Warriors were up crazy at first, but then, you know, Steph went to the bench and then the whole lead eviscerated. So, <laughs> you know, that's generally how that goes. My coach of the day, yeah, I'm gonna still get, I'm gonna give it to Frank Vogel for, for being able to fight with the, for being able to fight with the Kings without LeBron or AD. My dickhead of the day, goes to you, Darnell Jones, for trying to give Luke Walton coach of the day for, for beating the Lakers by three without LeBron or AD. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm going to give Luke Walton dickhead of the day. <laughs> That's a good choice, man. <laughs> man, I don't care. So they were missing both of them. You can't just beat them by three. That just shows how ass the Kings truly are. It really but, does. <laughs> but hey, man, we knew we knew they've been badly run. They've been badly run for a long time. They got lucky. They found one. They found one at Halliburton, and De'Aaron's been having an amazing season. But the rest of the team, they're just not that good. And again, Luke Walton had that Luke Walton had that magical run in Golden State. You know, after Steve Kerr implemented the system and Luke Walton stood there and let them play how they play. But, you know, 
He's he was just to, a co-pilot, man. He, like, was a, he was a co-pilot. But he damn near won coach of the year being a co-pilot. So, <laughs> <laughs> man. But he went to the Lakers. LeVar, LeVar of all people, was like, this dude ass, get him out of here. He's fucking my son up. And then, you know, they traded his son. They got rid of the coach. And now the coach is on another team being still bad of a coach. And even though his son is Mm-hmm. With another, I was gonna say with another dad on the team. Oh yeah, <laughs> saying that the coach. Oh sucks. yeah, Marvin Bagley's dad did definitely say the Walton's ass too. He's just not. He's just. He's just not in good spirits with these people's fathers. Damn, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's because his his father was in the NBA. His father was right there. His father is an all-time great in the NBA. Yep. Bill Walton. His father is a Hall of Famer. So it's like, so you have this knowledge. You, we know you smart. Your father was right there, and then you just this trash ass coach. And then mind you, not only that, he played with Kobe. He was right there with Kobe. He got two rings. I'm pretty sure he might even have three, but he got. Yeah, I think least, he got three. Yeah, I think he was there for for the Lakers' last title win, the the, the last Shaq one. So you know, Luke Walton got three rings playing with Kobe. So you know, and he 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 was there as a coach, but hey man, these people's fathers just seem not to like them. But that's it for our Lumia Sports episode for today. Can't wait to watch tonight. We'll see the NBA All-Star draft tonight between LeBron and is it still Kevin Durant doing it? Or yep. Even though he's not playing. LeBron and KD. Yep. Okay, well, that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, so we'll see the NBA All-Star Draft tonight. And, yeah, for for Lumia Sports, this is Dom. Later. Oh, you were supposed to say this is Darnell. (laughs) You were supposed to say, and for Darnell, Dom, Uh it's been Lumia Sports, and we're out of here. It's my first time. Double D's deuces. (laughs) That's what I'm good for.